hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sheeran and the host of this podcast. Guys, it's still holiday season, so I am still jolly and I'm still loving it. And Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all of those good things. Happy holidays. I am glad that it's still the season. It's so fun for me. And as we roll into 2022, I hope that uh, you've had some time to reflect on 2021 and you're ready to turn that calendar over to 2022 and have another great year or just have a great year, period. And I hope that you have that growth mindset. And I hope that you have the, the goals in mind. I hope that you've got everything set up. I know that I do and I have those set up and I've got the controls in place to help me to achieve those. Guys, I'm so thankful for you, the listener. I'm so thankful to my guest and I'm so thankful for my sponsors. So thankful for Smart Choice, the fastest growing agency network, hands down, no lengthy contracts, no upfront fees. They share in their bonus and contingency. They help you by lowering uh, your uh, premium thresholds and your volume commitments, and they help you by raising your commissions. They are a win-win, and it's incredible. Another win-win for your agency's cover desk. 2022 might be just the year for you to bring on a virtual assistant, or if you've already got one, it may be time for you to look for another one. And you know, as we look back at 2021 and 2020, it's been a tough year for hiring and for bringing on new people. And Coverdesk might be a great avenue for you to solve that issue. So go to Coverdesk.com, check out a virtual assistant. They've been trained in our space. They know our business. And Andy Priestman over there at Coverdesk and his whole team do a great job. Coverdesk.com. Today, I am super thankful for my guest in Ty Harris from Openly. You all have seen him everywhere. You've heard him on other podcasts, but not on Insurance Town. So it's time for you to check him out here. And you're going to love this conversation. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We talk about openly. We talk about him. We talk about just some really cool stuff. Uh, it's a great carrier, and it's leading the way for other insure tech carriers. Uh, openly is doing a phenomenal job. Sit back, relax, and check out my conversation with Ty Harris. Mr. Ty Harris, what's happening, brother? Hey, good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I, I, you know, if you can't be in this industry without hearing your name or openly or somebody within your company. So I'm super excited to have you here. I uh, would have loved to have you earlier, but you're a busy guy, bro. What have you been up to? Oh my gosh. Tell me about it. Uh, well, you know, I, uh, I have two little kids and uh, I, I used to have hobbies before that. And now I have a startup. So people always ask me about my hobbies. And I'm like, you know what, between startup and, 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 and a four-year-old and a two-year-old, that's pretty much it. Although occasionally I go for like a run at 6am, but, um, but no, seriously, it, it is busy times. I tell you what, taking something from, from zero to one has been, uh, been all we can handle. Yeah. Okay. So you said a two-year-old and a four-year-old boys or girls. Well, I have a four-year-old boy um, and a two-year-old girl. And, you know, I, I live down in uh, Charleston, South Carolina these days. I, I'm, I lived for Bo in Boston for years and years. It was at a, you know, carrier up there for years yeah. um, and then moved down here um, about a year and a half ago. And it's just, uh, it's just great. But yeah, we have uh, the two little ones and we're done. We're done there. That's it. Oh, there you go. So two and done, huh? You got one boy, yep. one girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got two girls and a boy, so uh, we thought about maybe, you know, two boys, but nope, we're done with three. Uh, we're outnumbered at this point, so stay where you're at because, you know, you still got a little bit of control there. So, um, 
Let's while we're talking about your personal life, let's jump down memory lane a little bit. Let's take a walk down memory lane. Let's talk about tires. Get to know you as far back as you want to go, and then lead me up to where you are today. And we'll go from there, brother. All right. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, so I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, so originally um, from the South, but uh, moved up to the Northeast uh, early in my uh, career for actually for grad school up there and went to work after grad school over at uh, Liberty Mutual. So, you know, big top five insurer up there in Boston. Um, and it, you know, it, it was sort of, it was funny at the time I was a very quantitative person. Uh, I was doing finance and statistics and I wanted to, and I was also playing a lot of poker at the time. This was kind of during the poker boom. And I thought, hey, I want to work somewhere where you can think about risk and how people react. And I thought, well, I could go to a casino, but Vegas was always, that's probably would have been fun. But um, the other place I thought of was insurance and I had some of the right skills. So I went there. Um, the, the way in the door at the time was to be an actuarial student. So uh, as a very quantitative person, I started taking actuarial exams and began as, a, an, as an analyst there. Uh, in the product management org, built products, home and auto, always personal insurance. I, I haven't worked on the commercial side, but always built uh, products on the on the home and auto personal side, uh, and then got more and more responsibility over time there. Eventually, uh, worked my way up to be the chief product and underwriting officer for Personal Lines there, which was was a great job, truly awesome company. And of course, just as I got into that amazing point where what could be better, I decided to throw it all away in some sense. And in 2017, uh, I, I jumped out uh, just it was the same month as my son was born, actually, which was a questionable life decision, maybe. But uh, at, that, at that exact moment, I jumped off the cliff and with my co-founder, Matt Wheelbutt, started openly from scratch. And that is that is the beginning of the next chapter. So then I'm happy to talk more about openly, but it's, uh, yeah, we've been at it for about four years now in market for a couple of years. And it has been, it's felt like about 60 years in many ways. Yeah, that is fascinating on, on several reasons. And I want to go back a few things here that you talked about. Number one, um, I lived in Alpharetta, Georgia for several years. So there's a little connection there. Um, and then you talk about the poker boom. That, that's pretty funny. I, uh, huge poker player, love playing. Uh, and I'm very fascinated. I just, in, uh, interestingly enough, just watched the movie. It's not poker related, but 21. Have you seen it? Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. My wife and I, while it was on TV the other day, we got fascinated by it, was watching it. Um, okay. So as you were talking about going into maybe working at a casino or working uh, Vegas, maybe, or somewhere like that, or going into insurance, what do you see now fast forwarding uh, through your time at a large carrier or even starting openly? What do you see as uh, some things, similarities there between poker and that kind of risk versus insurance? It's funny. Well, you know, I, first of all, I love to predict anything. So it's just like, I now know this about myself, but I'll go, you know, I built a robot that actually in my spare time that played poker against you and, and did that. I, I used to, you know, when it was um, of course legal, I would play like, you know, FanDuel and DraftKings and those things and build these lineups of teams and had a very uh, kind of statistical process. So I, I just love predicting things and using computers yeah. to predict things sort of in my DNA. So that's one of the big ones. You know, the other thing you learn though is, as an, I was an academic economist and you're trained to basically take any positive bet when you're an economist. You're like, well, if it's a positive expected value bet, then, then you should definitely take it. But you learn when you're playing poker or, or sports or, or whatever that like, yeah, but you only have so many bets. And if you can, you can make a good bet and go bankrupt and then you're kind of nowhere. So I think that the secondary aspect is make good bets, but also manage your risk. And I think that's um, a big lesson that I took 
um, in poker and certainly in insurance as, as, as a startup, you know, we're very, very heavily reinsured and everything. So, yeah, but, but even, even so you want to, you want to be kind of diverse and, and place your bets, not just all in one place, uh, which is a, a piece of it. And I actually built some of the early, um, some of my earliest work was building out, you know, enterprise wide, uh, catastrophe management in a sense. So saying like, Hey, if we add one more policy in this part of the country, how much does that contribute to our capital need versus some other part? And I, I, I really enjoy that kind of work. So. Yeah, I think that's fascinating. Going back to, you know, you talk about personal lines most of your career and even with openly where you're at now, you, you look at even with poker, uh, you know, you may have, you know, the best hand or you think you have the best hand. You may have a full house. You may have, a, you know, flush or whatnot or straight even. And, you know, the the human element, you know, throws off the whole thing, just kind of like an insurance, the weather element. You may have the best product, best pricing, everything else. And you run into, you know, credit score issue or a weather issue or something like that. And I always find that, you know, parallel pretty cool. Well, there's a, there's an adverse selection too, right? I have the king high flush. I bet he raises, huh? It's pretty unlikely ex ante that he has the ace high flush, but given that he raised me, I don't know. So weird, unusual crap happens. And, and when it does, it it hits you <laughs> in both. That's exactly right. Um, okay. So, you know, going back to, to our industry and going back to insurance a little bit, we'll get off of poker for a minute, uh, but we're talking... Uh, you know, technology's changed our industry and made a lot of things possible. Everything from, you know, the speed and ease of use, you know, underwriting, what we just talked about, um, and data collection. You know, what uh, what are your thoughts on that as far as over the last, let's go back even, let's say 10 years. You know, we can go back even further, but let's just go in the last 10 years and, you know, I guess the 2010 to 2021 to 22. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's, there are probably two, at least two stages that you see. One is where people take, and you actually saw this, in my opinion, the way that people originally put insurance online. What you saw in the in the earliest days of online insurance was people would take, you know, Accord forms that had been, you know, written on on paper, obviously, and they basically copied those into code and made them. Okay, that's how you do an insurance quote. And then people eventually came along and said, well, we can even rethink the whole interview process now that we have this different medium. And I think you see the same thing in data where. Um, the initial instinct with new data sources, uh, and there's plenty of them available right now. What you know, 15 years ago, there were not multiple APIs you could go hit to get the square footage of this house or the roof condition of this house or you know the you know whatever about this person or, or whatnot. So there's all kinds of stuff available, and the initial instinct is to take that stuff and use it to pre-fill a traditional application for insurance. Um, and I think we're you know some companies haven't gotten that far. Uh, there are there's a group of companies that have gotten that far. And then, you know, the next natural step, which some companies are taking is to say, well, does this data actually even make me question what answers I need? Because I have this additional data about this aspect of a house or about how someone drives or whatnot. Do I no longer even need this this thing I used to know. So I know I know the roof condition or the exact location uh, and whatnot. So therefore, do I need to know if it has iron bars on the windows anymore or in telematics and auto? If I know exactly how someone drives, do I need to put as much importance on you know their credit score or whatever it is? So I think that's the next phase. Is we'll be transitioning into the variables that are actually even used to price the insurance. So we've done some of that with openly, but I think the journey will continue uh, for us. Yeah, you're talking about you know traditional you know coverage, traditional apps, traditional things. You know, talk to me about as you're kind of in that tech space a little bit, and you talked about being a 50-50, you know, earlier, um, but talking about, you know, maybe the unique coverages that you don't commonly see by, you know, your legacy carriers or your traditional carriers, and we won't name any names, 
versus, and we don't even talk about openly at this point. We can talk about, you know, any of the insure tech carriers that are out there. There's a lot of good ones out there, not to name any nose names either, but maybe even like as such as like Airbnb or dog coverage or something else like that. Um, what what do you think about that? Well, let me let me give you an example of of the of the point I was making a second ago. So, what what is one of the most annoying and time consuming parts of doing a home insurance quote and sale and even claim? In my opinion, that is <laughs> figuring out the coverage A for the policy and getting that right. Right? Um, you have you know some inf- it takes a bunch of information. There's you know the the mortgage bank may have an opinion, the customer has an opinion, the agent has an opinion, the insured has an opinion. There may be an inspector who comes out, and then at time of claim, lo and behold. You know, you'll you will often find out that that initial guess was wrong, and, and many people have coverage so that you're covered 20% or 50% above a wrong guess. So there's some buffer there, but it's still it, at the very least it eats up a lot of time and consternation and puts some risk on people. Um, but with what's it, it kind of begs the question of okay, we could use all this new pre-filled data to you know just fill in all the the elements that go into a better replacement cost for a home and better guesses of that. But the other aspect of it, you say, well, is that really even the right question? Suppose you had two million dollar houses. One of them is a concrete fortress. The other is made of, I don't know, balsa wood or something. You know, I, you know, traditional insurance rating, yeah, it might distinguish a little bit, but it mostly would rate those two the same because they're both million-dollar replacement cost homes, whereas really when you get more granular about it, one of them is much more susceptible to risk than the other. That's, that's overgeneralizing, but I think where you'll see the industry head over the next 50 years is a long-term problem is saying, we're not going to just use these coarse measures of how much would it cost to replace the home. First, we're going to get that more and more accurate, but then we're going to get rid of that entirely. Instead, we're going to say, well, what's the risk to the walls of this house to fire or the walls of this house to water damage, which most claims are, right? Um, And let's really think about that independent of the single thing that captures the replacement cost. And openly, we've taken steps in that direction. And I think have, you know, we kind of uniquely guarantee every home up to $5 million and we don't ask the customer to guess a coverage A in, in most states. But that's sort of our contribution and where we are. But I think you'll see the industry, um, you know, probably following that. And then I'm, I'm sure we'll all be battling it out to get better and better uh, at that. And what's neat is that it better predicts risk it w- and it will. And it also takes onus off the customer. Um, and, you know, a similar thing with like telematics. So if you're able to measure how, someone drives, and I know there's pros and cons to the, the logistics of how that's done today, but once you can really measure how someone drives and they're going to pay that way and people start to really accept that, then it, it, it takes a lot of the more coarse measures out of it and a lot of the time-consuming questions you have to ask and update, and hey, is that out of date now? Uh, and how many, you know, it just takes a lot of that out of the equation and just simplifies the process. So it's more accurate and simpler and easier in some sense. Why do you think it's taken us so long to get to this place as an industry? Oof, uh, I think there are um, su- supply and demand side <laughs> uh, factors here. I mean, there there are real reasons why you need to regulate insurance. I don't say that just as a you know that right. it's a promise that a company needs to be able to keep, and I, I completely get the need for regulation and insurance, and I and I applaud it. But I do think the flip side of that strong you know, regulatory tradition, and especially the state-by-state regulatory tradition we have in the U.S. does make it, it's a lot of work to roll out something entirely new. You have to go back and very carefully roll all your existing customers and think about the impact. You have to do it state-by-state. And so I think that's one reason some innovations you see do lag in the U.S. relative to what you, you know, the timing of something in the U.K. or Spain or, you know, some other country. Um, I, I think, I'll be perfectly candid. I think there's probably a level of comfort in insurance in the U.S. as well. Um, when you look at you know 40% uh, expense ratios, if you include general administrative and LAE expense ratios, uh, the mutual structure of most companies, which for better or worse, it allows you to kind of see the long term, but also take some of the pressure off 
um, that might that a, a public company might sometimes face around its uh, gross margins and whatnot. So I think you know the, the the combination of urgency and boys at hard to roll out new things uh, probably contributes to to some of that resistance. Um, it's also there's also a nature of it where it, in an industry where in many other industries you make a change and within two weeks you have feedback. You know I, I change my pricing on uh, shirts or something. And I see what that did to my demand. And I kind of know what the shirts cost me. Or, you know, I, in insurance, there are elements where you can do that. You can, you can change your marketing a little bit. But, but if you change your pricing or your product, boy, is that a big commitment. You're not, you might not know for five years what the court's final opinion on this product change you made or, you know, this pricing, hey, did we, the, the new underwriting, the way we opened it up or this pricing that we changed a little, what's the final ultimate impact of that? Even a huge company wouldn't know that quickly, much less sometimes a small company. So that also makes it much slower to, you got to make much more careful course corrections in insurance because you don't know for so long whether it worked or not, I would say. Yeah, it makes sense. And going back to, you know, you're talking about the regulatory issues and whatnot. You know, I've, I've spent half of my career on the carrier side. A lot of people listen to this know that. And even, you know, trying to file, let's say even an increase for that matter. And you would think, oh, the commissioner will give us that. It's based on our data and this, that, and the other. Sometimes they'll say no. And, you know, the data tells you, you know, you'll get there with openly, I'm sure. Hey, we need to take an increase in the state of Arkansas. They may say, no, we're not going to give you that. And it makes it real difficult to be profitable or to make changes or pivot when you have those kind of things going on. And I'm again, I'm like you, I'm not, I understand regulation and I get it. But also to speak to your point, it makes it very difficult uh, when you have those kind of issues. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a natural tension. And again, I, I, I yeah, we've said it. I completely get it. And I understand regulators are, are smart and well-intentioned people and they're, they're doing their job, but it does, it, 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 it can make it less agile. Um, so it's just maybe it's the nature of the beast that it's 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 a little bit less agile than other industries. Yeah, and, and uh, that being said, over the last you know ten or twelve years, we've seen a big uptick as we're going to stick with that ten year ratio. Ten or twelve years, you know, insure tech has really come on strong. And I know you know we'll get into a little bit more about openly, but you know as we've seen insure tech grow, you know, first when they came in, what from the the mayor's perspective. We saw them, you know, go direct to consumer. And then we saw them doing, you know, some other crazy things. And now we're starting to see them circle back around. Even ones that came out and said, we are not going with independence. Now we're seeing them say, wait a minute, light bulbs going off. We need independence. But you guys came in, you know, ready, you know, and, and you saw independence as the future there. But why do you think that is, you know, that they started off one way and made that shift and um, what do you think as far as the future of the independent world, or the, I'm sorry, the future of the insurance world, it, will there still be a big emphasis on captives or will there be, you know, uh, a resurgence or even a growth in the independent channel? Yeah, you know, I absolutely think that what I, what I call independent retail and insurance is the future. And I think a lot of people confuse two different phenomena, right? One is um, one dimension of insurance is how digital is it going to be? How how involved are human beings going to be in the purchase and servicing, et cetera, process? And I think invariably the answer to that is computers will do more and more. Um, it will the speed at which that happens will certainly vary depending on the complexity of the type of insurance and whatnot. But that that will, there will be a gradual march in that direction, right? Led by auto and you know you know other other more complex lines. Second, but I think people confuse that idea of, of digital with the idea of direct, <laughs> and they're not the same thing. So direct means that whatever you're talking to, it could be a computer, it could be a person in a call center, it could be a local agent, whatever entity or human you're talking with, 
can generally only offer you one product and one price point. And if that's the right match, then great. If it doesn't happen to be the right match, which it usually isn't, then you're going to have to go put those 87 questions into some other person or computer or whatever somewhere else. That's what direct really means. That's even, you know, Geico is very efficient, but still direct. They probably, I don't know, but they probably don't sell more than 15, 20% of their customers because they only have one price point, right? Of their quotes, excuse me. So what I think is, um, where as, as, as you know, a good independent agent might close much higher than that, might close 50% of the quotes they do on homeowners insurance. And so to me, the, the idea of, you know, insurance may certainly will become more digital and the pace at which that happens. I don't know, but if, even if I thought the world was going fully digital tomorrow, my money would be on like the kayak of insurance instead of the Delta airlines website of insurance. So to me, it's digital choice over digital direct. And really what it is, is probably digital crossed with human uh, channel choice where you have, you know, computers increasingly doing the, the, the annoying work that they can, you know, gathering all the data and sifting through and making decisions based on algorithms and humans being, you know, their time being reserved for the really corner cases and the complex stuff that customers need help with. And believe me, we hear it all. I mean, it's, you think you've solved everything with your algorithms and then someone's wondering about, you know, they have three horses in the barn and it's sometimes used for a riding camp, but not always. And when does liability extend? And it's just, it's a complex product that, that humans will be involved in. And in the early days, I'll tell you, we, um, well, from the, from the customer's perspective, it makes sense, right? To go to this single point of contact, but it also makes sense economically because what you've seen from a lot of the the earliest insure techs that were direct, in my opinion, is you pay all this money to get someone's attention. You know, you're up against carriers spending billions of dollars to attract quotes. You spend all this money to get a quote in, and then you have one product and one price point, and they usually say no. And you're not maximizing the value of that quote the way that an independent agency could. And so even economically, it's not, it's just not a play that works. Everyone looks at this ratio of the lifetime value over the customer acquisition cost, and it does not work for single product, narrowly defined. Uh, direct customer acquisition, the way that it works when you go through independent agents, which is why we've been there from day one, uh, for sure. Yeah, you know, I think when you talk about that a minute ago, it sounds to me like, you know, the the computer, the digital side of it helps you with your speed and agility, and the human side of it helps with relationship, which I'm a firm believer that, and I hope this is always the case, but as I foresee in the next 10 years, relationships will still be a huge component in this game. And so I think it's smart what you guys are doing. And we'll get into some more of that in a minute. For those who already know openly, you know, y'all are kind of a 50-50 hybrid. I mean, you maybe have different, you know, percentages there of, you know, carrier to insure tech. You know what that means. We're at a mid-roll ad. And I'm so thankful. I want to get through these uh, quickly, but I want to make sure that I give them their due because they are so important to me at Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting those deck pages you need to quote your prospects. They are game changer, folks. You get customizable URLs you can send out to your referral partners, that you can send out to your clients, that you can send out to really anybody that you want to get those deck pages from so that you can give them a better quote. The agencies that use Canopy Connect just describe them as a game changer. And they call me and they text me and they put uh, emails in my inbox of, hey, thank you so much for introducing me to Canopy Connect. They are incredible. Go to usecanopy.com backslash Heath and check out what they've got going on because it's unbelievable. Get your demo, do the whole thing. You're going to be so glad that you did. Now on to my latest and, you know, uh, most 
recent sponsor to the show, and that is Agency Performance Partners. They help agents become ridiculously amazing, and they are so excited to do so. They're passionate about doing that. They love our industry so much. And I just uh, am so proud to have them as part of the show. I'm I'm proud to be on their team. I'm proud to have them on my team. And today I want to talk to you about their agency performance pack. That is uh, a subscription service to get access to their their courses online that you can do at your own pace, a do-it-yourself model. It is uh, incredible. There is a discount code under Heath. That's H-E-A-T-H. If you want to uh, take advantage of that, please do so. Go to agencyperformancepartners.com and check that out. Now, let's get back to the show. But, uh, I, you know, the, one of the last things I'll ask you before we get more into openly is, you know, as I work with lots of agents uh, over the last 10 years, uh, you know, when insured tech carriers first started coming out and wanting to work with independents, there's a lot of skepticism and there still is to this day to say, you know, I have an opportunity to put it with this legacy carrier or start loading up some of these, uh, you know, insured tech carriers and people are still a little hesitant to do that. And even though they've seen success of openly, they've seen success of even branch or hippo or some of these other players, you know, why do you think there's still that hesitancy? Is it just going to be, you know, a long-term play where they're going to see openly 20 years from now? Or do you think it's some other issue? Well, I think it's very reasonable. Um, I, you know, my my wife used to own a, a scratch independent agency. My uh, co-founder in our business had an independent. So I, I spent a lot of time around independent agents. So I, I completely get, and I salute the, uh, you know, need to kind of show me rather than like, just tell me yeah. what, what I, what I think agents should do is, you know, make sure they understand, Hey, what's it like if I have a complex underwriting question? What's it like if I have, um, you know, kind of a, a weird transactional situation where, oops, we put the wrong address on this policy and it pre-filled wrong and we're going to need to rewrite it and the customer closed. And, you know, I, just all the weird crap that comes up is, it, you know, you want to make sure that the, the company has seen that kind of stuff and is prepared to really solve the problems that agents and customers have. And I, it, it's not that... It, it is complex. There are weird, there are corner cases that come up. And, and I also, I mean, I, I definitely um, can understand agents wanting to see a claim or two um, and, and they probably should, um, you know, before going all in with a, a particular carrier, just to make sure that it's really there um, because that's really the moment of truth. Um, I think, so, I mean, there's, there's other things that are easier to assess. You can look at the product, you know, is this really, how does this contract stand up against, um, you know, some of the best in industry contracts uh, and whatnot, but I, I would I would certainly want to make sure that there are real human beings on the other side who are going to answer my complex questions in a in a credible way before I placed a lot of business with a a, a startup. Yeah, uh, and that being said, leading into my next question and going into a little bit more about brand, or about uh, openly, uh, talk to me about uh, the insur- you know advantages of working with a tech you know carrier versus the advantages of working with uh, those legacy carriers. Yeah, and you. You know, as you were sort of alluding to, we are we do consider ourselves sort of half a tech company and half right. uh, a traditional insurance company, and you really do need both. Um, the advantages that the technology side brings for us are, um, you know, extreme speed and ease of the parts of the process that that should be fast and easy. So, you know, getting to a bindable quote in like eight seconds where it's not a pretend bindable quote that maybe we'll verify, but it's like a real bindable quote. Being able to do things with coverage, like I was describing where, you know, you don't have to guess a coverage A necessarily, but every home is just guaranteed up to a certain level. 
um, that, you know, but, but then on the insurance side, there's also a, there's aspects where the technology really empowers even in our example, the, the employee. So an agent can, you know, in our case, like, you know, text in or they can use portal chat to very, very quickly while on the phone with a customer get answers to complex underwriting questions. And so tech really enables that, that human relationship in a, in a lot of ways. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the technology and the modern e-commerce experience just enables agents to spend less time doing the mind-numbing data entry and, you know, hey, sticky notes on the monitor to remember which risks are bindable with which carrier and what this jargon means, um, and more time building the relationship with the customer, really understanding their needs and, hey, which of these weird coverages do they need because they have the horse barn or the dock or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, making sure that they're not missing some need that the customer has. So that's our goal. It's, that's our goal personally is to, of our company is to be able to empower agents to um, spend their time doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. For those who are listening, uh, and there may not be very many, but I could be surprised. Uh, why don't you tell, give me like a minute and a half, uh, kind of an elevator pitch on what Openly is. Maybe you haven't done an elevator pitch in a while. So let's practice for a minute. Let's go back to those days of elevator pitching. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll press the the... 12th floor because it took, it took a lot. No, okay. The um yeah, absolutely. So you know the founding vision of openly, I've already alluded to a bit of it, but is that transparent choice really is the future of insurance. It's good for consumers, etc. Um, so the next 20, the last 20 years have been about Geico. The next 20 years, in my opinion, would be about transparent choice. Um, however, and we see that this amazing innovation in the agency space, uh, you know, point of sale agencies, like, you know, for example, a dealer policy, you see captives in droves becoming independent agents, you see, you know, digital independent agencies, you see human independent agencies working with realtors in new ways. I mean, it's just such cool innovation in the retail space, but I don't think the carriers are keeping up with that. So if you look at the carriers, these agents um, need to sell, I don't see heavy investment because I see a lot of regional carriers that maybe don't just, you know, they've been around for a long time. They don't have huge growth ambitions and they're not focused on building amazing tech. You see some of the big nationals, which are distracted with uh, commercial insurance and other lines, in my opinion. You see a lot of the insure tech where agents are an afterthought. They've really built for direct. They haven't thought through the agent process. That creates this enormous hole for openly to come in there as the tech-enabled carrier for independent agents. And that's what we're going to be. We're going to be number one. Um, we're going to earn number one space for personal lines through independent agents. Um, it's it's going to be a multi-decadal process and we're, we're, we've begun. Um but, but that's what we are. And so we, we use technology and amazing humans to just build an outstanding experience and lower cost for agents. Wow. Okay. So let me, let me clarify something here. Uh, um, when you say best, do you mean best in the tech space or best like PL company hands down? Like, Oh no, best number one PL company overall. That's our for through independent agents. We don't, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I my personal view is the independent agent world's going to grow and grow and grow, but you know, that that's our focus. We're not going to, compare ourselves over against other other uh, channels there but um that's perfect no I, that's what i was hoping you'd say um i was kind of baiting you to say that and i'm so glad you did but uh one of the things i love um i've been through uh several demos um and, you know shout out to you know your team you know y'all do a great job on that getting the word out and um shout out to Liv Kaufman. she did a great job uh i've been through that one of the things i loved and i want you to tell those who don't know um Hopefully you can speak to this. I bet you can. Um, if you know you're out there listening to this, you don't have an openly contract, um, and you want one, or you want to talk about that, the ease of doing business, the ease of getting a quote. How many data components do you need to get a quote with openly? 
Oh yes, of course I can speak to this. I was I had a heavy hand in building it, but we um yeah. So we we asked the agent to get the customer's name, date of birth, and address, and in eighty percent of cases, that's enough to get to a bindable quote. This, you put it in the system, it turns for three seconds or so. Uh, you get back an immediate decision on eligibility on. Um, whether this home might need to be inspected. We inspect about 10% of homes. So it's, it's unusual, but it does happen. Um, and then you get back a bindable price on uh, after that point. You also get- um, we, Wait, wait. We, we, so you mean to tell me, I don't need VIN numbers. I don't need the address. I don't need blood type. I don't need you know their mom's maiden name. Uh, you're well, telling- we didn't talk about the DNA sample yet, but no, it's uh, <laughs> exactly- But no, you're saying three data points, basically, and you're set with a quote. That's pretty incredible. And I'll be clear. We we are we go out, we, we turn those three data points into hundreds of pieces of information about the house. We have overhead photos interpreted, you know, record-based data, the, the customer. We've ordered, you know, reports about everything. We, the location, we have an 80-meter grid that we've layered over basically the whole U.S. where we know exactly- you know what, where that is. So we, and uh, you know, and if we don't know some of that information or we don't find it credible, then we will prompt a question. We'll say, Hey, in this case, actually we didn't, we couldn't get a, a hit that we believe on the square footage or, or what it is about the house. Please. Can you ask that question? So it's a little bit dynamic and the agent can always go back and review. And if they feel like we got something wrong, we know that that's something that happens sometimes and the agent can absolutely review that. But in, like I said, 80% of cases, we're, we're straight through that fast. And in any case, it's, it's much faster than uh, most of our competitors. Well, well, I'm saying, you know, one of the beautiful things about that that I've heard and I've seen on these demos and talking to agents is it makes working with the you know mortgage industry or the real estate industry that much easier. You know, because you know you don't have to sit there and ask a bunch of information. You get three points of data, which most of them have that on their mortgage application anyway. You can get them a quote that much quicker. And a lot of times, we both know first in is usually the first out. Yeah, that's one of the trends that we that we saw. What you know, I think if you looked 15 years ago, you'd probably see a lot of agents leading with the auto sale, and then you know the home was sort of an afterthought. And I think over the last you know 10 years, my perception has been you see a lot more agents leading with that home sale, and we are built for that. Uh, we we love that. So yeah, I think that's incredible. And so right now, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, see if my data is up to date. Uh, 14 states, and you just moved into New Hampshire. Is that your 15th state? Oh, you're way out of date. We're we're at 16 states right now. So ah. um, yeah, we we did uh, we did recently launch New Hampshire. Uh, Alabama, I think, was uh, 15th. Okay. I can't remember the exact oh. order of those two. Okay. Um, but, so 16, and we have uh, many more coming uh, over the next, even over the next few months, and then certainly next year. So Alabama and New Hampshire were the end of 2021. And then moving forward, uh, not to pin you down on a number, but you're thinking first quarter of 2022, you may be in five or six more states? Yeah, something, something around that. That's about right for uh, through the first quarter. We have a few approvals out there already uh, kind of waiting for us. And then we'll um, and then in 2022 in total, um, roughly not quite not quite double our, our footprint, but um, something something close to that um, throughout the rest of 2022. Now, um, again, not to pin you down, it's just you, nobody holding to this. But do you see yourself in other countries down the road in 2024, 25, 23, somewhere in there? Ah, you know. Uh, Never say never, but that's not the next natural move that we see. Right. Uh, the next natural move that we see is um, after we, you know, as we continue to roll out states, then we we will likely begin building 
an auto product. That's a little ways down the line. That's not a 2022 yeah. launch. It will be heavily paired with the homeowner's product. So the goal won't to be, hey, let's pivot to monoline auto or something. You know, it's, it's going to be initially at least paired with uh, the home product to a, to a heavy degree. And then, you know, umbrella and some of the other natural lines that, you, that you're easy to build. They're easy to build once you have the auto product. So, you know, motorcycles yeah, and things like that. So. Yeah, that's one of the things I also thought was, was really cool is that uh, you do give an auto, a home and auto package discount, even though they don't have an auto product, guys, you can still get a discount through openly for that. Correct. Talk to me. That's about That's correct. That. That's that's exactly right. Um, and yeah, we so there's that benefit even today. Uh, but we do see benefit in, in building our own uh, product to beautifully pair with the existing home product uh, down the road. So we're really excited about that. But that's still early stages. Right now, it's more states for the home product. And the other the other aspect is just really continuing to refine. The technology of the existing offering. So right now, our quote and sale process is um, we we think really strong and amazing, um, and we are trying to make sure that every aspect of the servicing and claims process that the technology is equally sort of breathtaking on those uh, dimensions as well. And so every two weeks, we roll out, or even more frequent than that, we roll out new features for um, agent self servicing and you know, being able to access things about policies and do things with policies and coming pretty soon is going to be claims and better claims information and updates than they have today, right within the system. Awesome. I, uh, I do think it's, it's also cool. The, uh, I guess for lack of better words, the niche you came into the niche, you came into the niche, whatever you want to call from the South, I say niche. Um, but the niche you came into, you didn't come in, you know, saying I'm gonna be a generalist on everything. You came in particularly focused almost at least what I've seen on that high value, on the luxury, on the, you know, the stuff that uh, maybe not a lot of people will write, you know, you're a little above, I know you'll go down to two or 300,000, but your playground is more in that upper echelon home. Yeah. The product with the, you know, guaranteed replacement up to 5 million, the open perils contents, high supplements on everything. Um, really, you know, you can have a $300,000 deductible if you want to, you know, it's, it's, it's built in a way that it, it is indeed made for, that market. Now we're, we don't kid ourselves. We're not, you know, we don't ensure million dollar paintings. We're not, we're not necessarily up in the, right. you know, competing head to head with y'all, but we love like, you know, low seven, high six, six figure homes. That's kind of our, the sweet spot. And especially because those are where you start to run into with many carriers, a big pain, right? It, you're not going to know the final price, or even if it's acceptable for 30 days in most cases, whereas sure. with us, you're going to know in eight seconds, which is. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think that's fascinating. And in the South, where you and I live, you know, uh, you mentioned South Carolina, Atlanta, and whatnot. Six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand home is huge. Um, at least I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, so six hundred thousand dollar home is massive. Um, that's a mansion, probably in some areas of the state. So um, I think that's super cool that you went after that area. And I even think it's even cooler. And you know, correct me if I'm wrong. We can edit it out if we need to. But you know, I, I hear. Through the great money, you guys will do some stuff with VRBO, with Airbnb, some of that kind of stuff. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. We have a uh, good. We'll get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> we, we have yeah, we have an endorsement um, that you can tack on um, if you Airbnb and you kind of select uh, roughly how many days a year do you do it, and it it fills some of the gaps that you might normally face if you didn't have that coverage. We also have a pretty slick uh, secondary seasonal and landlord policy. Our, our landlord in particular is built off of an HO three as opposed to a, a narrower policy, and so it's a you know a slightly enhanced in some ways, whittled down in some ways, but it's an, an adapted HO three that I think is some of the 
the coolest landlord coverage out there. Um, and it's, it's also accessible in about, you know, with that eight second quote. So uh, we, we have good success with that. Was that a data-driven decision or was that something you just thought, hey, that'd be cool to do? Or how did you come up with the idea to, to, to do that? You know, I, I've always felt that the, I mean, I understand some of the reasoning, but you see uh, traditional fire landlord policies, it's like they evolved to a certain point and then you had this separate branch of evolution of the full homeowner's policy. And no one really thought, hey, these two things should be more alike than they are today. I, and again, I, I understand the logic that drove the divergence, but I think it's a lot of probably 80% of the divergence these days is driven by a historical accident. So we just said, Hey, if we're blowing it up anyway, why not? You know, we're going to have our own policy and coverage anyway. Why not just make the logical differences, but not keep the illogical differences. And it's really, and what, what that enables is you just like hit a switch and the same policy flips back and forth instead of going to some different system and some other underwriter and having a diff, totally entirely different quote. So, yeah. And then, um, you know, we've talked a little about that and then, you know, as we're, you know, some of the things that some of the challenges I see as a prior agent as well in personal lines was the dog list or the pool coverage. You have to have a diving board or you have to have a fence or you have to have this or do that. You guys look at that a little bit more uniquely. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of insurance underwriting, again, by historical accident has sprung up around sometimes anecdotal information, or even if there's a real trend, people will just apply blunt force to it and say, oh, Dog bites are increasing, therefore, boom, no more dogs. Or you know, and I, I and I under, again, I understand the why they're going there. But what we do instead is we have a weighted scorecard, and so we take into account we have some hard and fast rules. We're not going to write you know, just we don't write a renter's policy, or you know, we don't write certain values, things like that. But aside from that, it's mostly a weighted scorecard, and so it takes into account all the different attributes and weights them together. So, for example, if you're on the coast, we might or might not underwrite the risk depending on other attributes of, about the house. There's probably 10 other things we consider and the scorecard naturally considers all those together. Same thing with having, you know, dogs or, or swimming pools or, or all of those things. We sort of weigh the totality of the, the risk together, which I think, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, you know, it, there's an element of it that can be black box where the agent says, hey, why did this one with a dog get rejected and this one didn't? But the pro of that is that, you know, in about eight seconds, uh, what the answer is. Right. And sometimes often the one that wouldn't have gotten through with, gotten through with some other carrier gets through with us because we recognize the totality of the risk. Sure. And uh, speaking of totality of the risk, uh, it seems as if what I hear openly is you guys have a big emphasis and maybe it's just a Ty Harris thing, but on the comprehensive coverage for homeowners. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, philosophically, <laughs> the, you know, the industry sometimes reacts to loss trends by restricting coverage. And I, again, I get that instinct, but to me, you shouldn't put that risk on customers, on policyholders who don't, let's face it, really at the end of the day, understand what they have until they have a claim. And so we, there are certain decisions where we say, okay, a customer could reasonably want to raise their deductible. We'll allow them to do that as long as they sign the form, et cetera, et cetera. But there's certain coverages where you just, are they really going to, should we really rely on them knowing that they have to schedule their, you know, the golf cart or whatever it is, as opposed to like finding out. So certain things we just said, let's just cover that. It's better. They're going to be less gotcha moments at the last second. Same thing with guaranteed replacement, the way we have our coverage B, it works and covers certain, you know, off-premise locations, things like that, where you just make a simple decision that we're, we're not going to have that gotcha moment for the six customers that happen to be affected by it uh, in a very unfortunate way. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you guys, as we're wrapping up, we've got a few more minutes here um, and I want to give you back some time and I'll do the same is, uh, you know, as openly is continuing to grow, as you guys are continuing to do the, the podcast tours and, the, you know, marketing tours and see you at conventions and conferences and whatnot, 
What's the message that you want people to hear from this? If they don't hear anything else from Ty Harris on this episode, maybe they just started picking up right now for some reason. What would you want them to know about Openly? Well, for all the agents out there that uh, we work with, or, or I just want to say thank you for making this uh, a possibility. And for those we don't work with or, or those we do, I want you to hear that we are absolutely dedicated to building the best carrier, personalized carrier for the independent agency channel. That is our sole focus. And we are tirelessly going to work on that. We won't have it perfect on at any given moment, but that is our focus. And you can rely on us to, to keep focus there. Um, we appreciate everything you do. So, so thank you. Yeah, I think that's a great message because everyone I've ever spoken to that is contracted with Openly or has access to them from an aggregator or something says, oh my gosh, Openly is amazing. They've changed my agency. So kudos to you guys for building that product and building that, uh, you know, for agencies, for the independent channel. And thank you for coming out the gate, uh, holding hands with the independent channel. That to me means a lot. And the agents, um, you know, I, I think that that emphasis on working with agents is huge. And I think it's very noted in our industry. Well, that's great. It's been, it's, it's, it's we're going to win together because it's going to win for us and, and it's going to win for the agents. So thank you. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, so is there any kind of, you know, maybe not yours, but is there any kind of contact info or website or anything you could direct people to if they decide, Hey, let me see if they're for number one in my state and number two, if they're appointing and number three, if I can find some sort of contact. Yeah, absolutely. Openly.com is our website. Uh, there's a section at the top. It's easily identifiable for agents. Uh, go there. It'll show you the state, the live state map where we are. Um, there's a, a, a form you can use to initiate contact and we'll, we'll get back to you really quickly and, uh, we, we promise we'll, we'll move quickly one way or the other on um, appointment discussions. Uh, so we'd, we'd love to talk. Excellent. Um, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, thank you for jumping in with us and, and learning, teaching us uh, and learning us, as they say in the South, learning us on openly. Uh, sorry, the country came out of me there for a second. Uh, I, I feel so much stronger in the, the future of our channel, uh, knowing that people like you are around and the future of where you're going. So again, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's really been my pleasure. Nice talking with you. Yeah, brother. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for hanging out with me and Ty Harris today in Insurance Town. What a fun conversation. What a cool guy and what a great company. And he's leading the charge for InsurTech carriers. And I, I think it's fantastic. Guys, if you have an idea for your own show, I want you to go to GetReadySetPodcast.com and check it out. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into a reality. And guys, I also want you guys to reach out to me, Heath, at InsuranceTownPodcast.com. And let's talk about 2022. Let's talk about some ideas that you have. Let's talk about the direction you would like to see of this show. Because it's not just my show, it's your show. It's your town. And uh, I'm proud to be the mayor of Insurance Town. So let's talk about some ideas. I really would like to do that. So thanks again for listening. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.